story that fits Ecclesiastes, doesn't it? Because today we're going to be talking about, in fact, I, I posed a question. I posed a question in the top of your sermon notes. So if you have those notes in the bulletin, now's a great time to get them out. I posed the question in there, how can I have joy in this miserable life? That's a good question, isn't it? It assumes something. It assumes two things. A, I want joy. We have a hungering, we have a longing. Just like a truck was meant to roll, we were made for life, we were made for joy. And yet, it assumes something else. That life is miserable, the tires are flat, the engine broke down, the truck is full of garbage, and the rodents have moved in. How then can I have joy in this miserable life? There's a lot about Ecclesiastes that points to the frustration, the futility, the misery of life. In fact, we're going to run across that favorite phrase in Ecclesiastes, vanity, emptiness, futility, meaninglessness. And I want to talk about that phrase because as we run into it, Ecclesiastes 11 and 12, the verses that I'm going to read this morning, and I did jump ahead a little bit in Ecclesiastes because it's Youth Sunday. And this passage has something to say to youth. There's a bit for all of us, but there's especially something to say to youth that I don't want us to miss this morning. But it's going to sound something like this. Okay, youth, get out there. Enjoy life. Take it. Seize it. Run with it. Life is meant to be lived. Enjoy it. But in the midst of trying to enjoy life before you're too old and worn out and you can't enjoy life anymore, Remember this, that you know, as you get out there and as you jump in, as you enjoy life, remember, but God's going to hold you accountable. That sounds like a joy killer. And, and, and remember then in your, your creator in the days of your youth before you get older and worn out, you know, about 40, where you can't do anything anymore. You can barely walk, you know, across from one end of the house to the other, and that's about it. Ecclesiastes says, like, go out there, enjoy life, life is good, but in the end he's going to say it's meaningless, futility, emptiness, everything is meaningless. And so I want us to come back to that word meaningless even before we start. We're going to read the passage in just a, in just a moment, but I want to get that word meaningless is going to occur a couple of times, so I want to remind us of it. The word meaningless doesn't necessarily just mean that. It's one of those broad words in Hebrew that means a lot of different things. It has the whole range of meaning from transitory or fleeting. It's here, but it's gone. It's sometimes translated a vapor or a mist. One time it's translated, in fact, it's a man's name, Abel, in Genesis chapter 4. In fact, it, it occurs most in Genesis chapter 4 other than in Ecclesiastes itself. Interesting, Abel starts so well, but his life is snuffed out. His life seems futile, empty. It's certainly transitory. It doesn't last. It's a vapor, it's a mist, and then it's gone. But the life has that ever even, evanescent. Is that the word? Did I just make that up? Evanescent? Evervescent. Oh, thank you, thank you. Evervescent, uh, where it's, it's, it's disappearing, it's not staying, it's, it's transitory. It's there, but it won't last. 
Think of shadow rather than substance. Think of light like fog, and you can put your hand right through it as opposed to something solid and heavy. We're going to back to that heavy toward the end. So it's not just that life is meaningless. It's just that life is light instead of heavy. It is shadow instead of substance. So in the midst of enjoying the temporary, in the midst of enjoying the transitory, what of the permanent, of the heavy, of the substance, can I enjoy in the midst of this transitory? Is there something heavier? Is there a way that I can live heavy? And I'm going to suggest that there is. So we're going to read, and I want you to to follow along as you read the, the positive things that he tells those who are young to do. And there's some qualifications around that that we're going to talk about as well. And uh, before, I think before I read, because it pictures so well uh, chapter 12, where he talks about the fleetingness of life and how quickly it goes, and many of you can identify with that, I want to show a video clip. It's about mm, four minutes or so from the movie Up. So this is our animation. We've had animation each week. A lot of you know, you know what video clip I'm going to show. Probably the best animation that's ever been done. That, 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 that clip captures the essence of life and the emotion of life without any dialogue at all. It's amazing, amazingly done. And two people stubbornly, yeah, I see, I, I, wiping eyes a little bit out there. Two people stubbornly determined to continue to live life in the midst of all of its setbacks and disappointments, and that's what this passage calls you to. So with eyes open, stepping into and living life, would you open your Bibles and uh, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11? We're going to start from verse 7. Ecclesiastes 11. Starting from verse 7, I'll read into chapter 12. If you're using a pew Bible, then uh, you'll find us on page 478. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 7. says, life is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. Don't we know that here? However, many years a man may live. Let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness. For they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless, transitory, thin. Be happy, young man, while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. God will bring you to account. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless in the sense of transitory, fleeting, They will not last. Many of us can assure you of that. Remember then your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon, the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. 
When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when men rise up to the sound of birds but their, all their songs grow faint, when men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the street, when the almond tree blossoms in white hair of the aged and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred. And then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about on the streets. Remember him. Remember your creator before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from. And the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is nothing. We started Ecclesiastes with those words in verse 2 of chapter 1. Everything is nothing. It's so futile. It's not enough. It's transitory. Where is something more? Where is something real? What we long for in life. In answering the question, how can I have joy in this miserable life? Pay attention, especially those of you who are young. Because the answer to that question really in two two different ways is to live heavy. First of all, how can I have joy in this miserable life? Don't take life for granted. Rejoice. God has made life for you. Yes, there is evil mixed in with the good, but there is the good that God has given us to live in and to enjoy. And while you're young and yet unencumbered, go after it. So often we think in terms of, oh, but you're going to be accountable. You know, use every word and all your moments and and, and don't transgress and, and be careful in everything that you do. We can very easily, trying to live up to some set of rules or code, we can steal away all of the joy of the freedom of life. It was for liberty, Galatians 5 says, that Christ has set you free. He says, go ahead and live. One of the ways to find joy in this miserable life is to live. That that truck was made for rolling. A truck wasn't made for parking. It would be safer parked, but it was made to roll and to just sit there and park. You know what happens? The wheels or the, the rubber of the tires slowly decays and wears out and flattens and becomes brittle because it's not rolling. When we think about if life is made for you, if, if, if this life has been made for us, if life is made, we're supposed to rejoice in life, rejoice in the life that God has given us. What does that mean? Verse 9, rejoice, young man, while you are young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Don't let the futility, don't let the brokenness, don't let what could happen steal away the fullness of life. There's an interesting song. You'll hear it on the radio now and again. It's called Anyway by Martina McBride. You can spend your whole life building something for nothing. One storm can come and blow it all away. Build it anyway. Build it anyway. The chorus says, God is great, but sometimes life ain't good. When I pray, it doesn't always turn out like I think it should. 
But do it anyway. Pray anyway. Live anyway. This one's poignant. You can love someone with all your heart and for all the right reasons. And yet in a moment, they can choose to walk away. What do you do? Love them anyway. Love them anyway. That's what Ecclesiastes 11 is saying. Live anyway in spite of the brokenness, in spite of the lack of any guarantees. Go ahead and live. This is not the time. In the time of your youth, when life is before you, one message Ecclesiastes would say is now is not the time to crawl under a rock. Now is not the time to take your talent and bury it in the sand. Now is the time to live. Now is the time to go after life, the life that God has made for you to live in. One of the ways to have joy in life is to not be afraid to live. Enjoy life's goodness while you can is the message of of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And even verse 11, he says, no, sorry, not verse 11. Verse 9, be happy, young man, while you are young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. He's going to contrast that in chapter 12, isn't he? Life moves on. Life rolls on. The years pass and we wear out and we cannot do all that we once could do. We don't have the same freedom. When you're young, you hear about, I've graduated. I'm, I'm now taking these next steps. I'm doing this. These are my hopes. These are ambitions. We want to hear that and we care about that. Why? Because now you set a trajectory. You know what a trajectory is? The trajectory is the path that the bullet takes out of the barrel. And the trajectory that it starts with is largely going to determine where the bullet ends. If you aim at nothing, you hit it every time, right? Now, other stuff happens. You can aim well, but there's wind, and you couldn't fully account for the wind and the weird things that it was doing. And the wind pushes the bullet this way, and that causes it to clip a branch, and then it goes that way, and something else happens. So your beginning trajectory may not be completely determining where you end. But trajectory that you start with has a lot to do with it, doesn't it? Where you aim has a great effect on where the bullet will end. And so he says, start well. Start while you're young. Start before that contrast in chapter 12, which is a very poetic way of saying you are going to grow old and wear out and run out of energy. And sooner than you know, it will be too late. And look around. Many of us at one stage or another can testify of choices that we've already made that have determined or opportunities that we took and we are so glad we did or opportunities that we let slip right on by and yet now it's too late to go back to. One of the ways, one of the ways to live to rejoice in this, to have joy in this miserable life is to rejoice in life and not be afraid to live it. Enjoy life's goodness while you can. Don't let life's troubles crowd in too quickly. Don't squander the time that will pass. Matthew six thirty four. Jesus says, don't worry about the troubles of tomorrow. The day has enough trouble in itself. Now's the time to live. Live. God made you to live in this life. This life is for you. 
Now, I talked last week some about denial. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, pick up his, take, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's the way to be his disciple. Where does denial fit into this call to live? Is this a hedonistic call? Is this the call to say, hey, whatever is fun, do it. Whatever it feels good, do it. No, it's a call to live. It's a call to rejoice in life. And yet sometimes to rejoice in life, I will deny myself. I will delay gratification. Graduation is an example of that. I will work hard. I will forgo some time on the longboard. Right, John? I won't be on that longboard as much as I want to because I've still got to graduate. I've still got to complete the homework. I've still got to get the grade. I've still got to get the credit. I've still got to get the diploma. So I will, I will delay some fun. I will not maximize my pleasure time because there are better things that I'm going to work for in order that I can live. Okay? So denial, but denial for the sake of something better. I described last week the um, purpose of one of the spiritual disciplines, I think important in our culture because we are a consumer, we can have whatever we want right now kind of culture, that that's not healthy for our hearts not just because of what you choose to have anytime you want it to eat, but it's just not healthy for our spiritual heart. And so a denial of self is good physical training that works into spiritual training. Well, I took my own words to heart. I don't, you're not supposed to announce this at the time, but I think I can tell you afterwards. I, I, I fasted on Monday, and, and I, I, I broke my fast at dinner time. And it wasn't a fancy dinner. I cooked a burger on the grill. But man, was that a burger. And I, I, didn't, I didn't overcook it either. You know, it was, it was cooked. You know, it wasn't still, you know, full of bacteria and stuff like hamburger can be when it's all red and, you know. But it, you know, it, but it wasn't all dried out and crisped either. It was just right and juicy. And, you know, it was probably even better because I hadn't eaten until then. Denial has a way of sharpening our appetite for something better. And one of the reasons I fast, because that hunger is a prod, it's a catalyst to remind me of what it is that I'm praying for, to remind me that this is the day that I wanted to be continually through the day, in the day, seeking God. And the hunger itself reminds me of that that I'm denying myself for the sake of something better. So denial is good in the midst of rejoicing in life for the sake of something better. We tell our youth, go ahead and live life. But that doesn't mean you should live life in physical intimacy with somebody before your marriage. Why? Because you're denying yourself for the sake of something better that your physical relationship in marriage will be all the richer, all the deeper, all the fuller if you have waited. If you haven't, as I described to some couples, if you haven't unwrapped your presents before Christmas, then Christmas morning of your wedding night becomes all the more special and it's, it's uh, all involved in that marriage covenant of complete commitment to one another that that is simply a physical celebration of. It's another example, a graphic one, but an example that denial of good in life so that it will be its best. 
So when he says, live life, go out, enjoy it while you can, it's not just give yourself freely to whatever pleasure, because so much of that pleasure you will find up will be empty, will be shadows instead of substance, will be transitory and fleeting. It will be like chasing after the wind and trying to gather a bucket full of it, and you find you have nothing. Solomon and Ecclesiastes depicts himself as standing at the end of his life as the old man and full of regrets that he describes in chapter 12. The, 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 the colorful depiction in chapter 12 of it's too late. I can't go back. I tried to find my satisfaction in all of those other things and I found them fleeting. I found them shallow. I found them empty. I found them real but not real enough. There was no satisfaction there. And so we we see a Solomon now who's anticipating a turning of the seasons. The keepers of the house tremble, his hands now shake. The strong men stoop, his, his knees give out a little bit. The grinders cease because there are, they are few. In, in, in the day of uh, less dental work, the grinders are few. It's not e- easy to enjoy food the way that he used to do. The, um, the, he's losing his hearing. The sound of grinding fails. Men rise up at the, sound, at, at the sound of birds. Even though I can't hear as well, still I'm a very light sleeper. My, my vocals are limited. I can't sing like a bird anymore. Truth be told, I never could. Men are afraid of heights, afraid of falling, the dangers in the streets. You, you, you think about, is it safe to go out? Am I going to fall down? Who's going to be there to pick me up? I don't want to drive at night. Why? Because my vision is failing. The almond tree blossoms, white hair. The grasshopper drags himself along, once so sprite and agile and, and jumping and flying from place to place. Now imagine that grasshopper, old and decrepit, dragging himself along the ground. That's the imagery. And man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Solomon is saying, it's too late. It's too late for me. I cannot go back and relive my life. I was given a life, and I lived it poorly. And Solomon is saying to those who were young, live heavy. Live real. The way that you live heavy, the way that you live real, is don't be afraid in the midst of the brokenness to go out and enjoy life and live life and seek it to its fullness, but in the right ways, remembering that, yes, I am accountable to God. I did not make myself. Somebody made me. I'm going to find my fullest fulfillment in that which God made me for. I'm going to find the fullness of my life in rolling down the highway of life that Mr. Ford made the truck for, not sitting in a driveway and becoming a garbage dumpster. Or sitting on a couch in front of a TV and becoming a garbage dumpster. I was made for something, and I will find the fullness of my life in jumping into that life in what I was made for Rejoice in life that God has made for you, knowing that I will be accountable, remembering my creator. That's the second point I wanted to leave us with. How can I have joy in this miserable life? Rejoice in life. Don't be afraid of life. Jump into it. Life is for living. The second point is, though, remember your creator. 
He doesn't say remember God. He could say remember God and we would think perhaps God as the most powerful. We would think as God is the greatest. We would tie that in with that warning of accountability in chapter 9. That the ways that we live in life we're going to give an answer for. What did you do with this gift of life that you were given? What did you do with it? And you could say, well, I just foolishly spent it on all kinds of foolish things and I will be accountable for that. You could say, Well, I didn't want to do anything wrong with life. And so I took my life, and like that talent given to the one servant, I buried it in the sand so that when I was asked about it, I could go back and dig it back up and say, I didn't do anything wrong with my life. And I didn't do anything good or worthy either. So no, no, no. Live your life. Spend your life. Use it in ways that God intended. And we'll do that when we remember our Not merely our accountability, but we remember our creator in the days of our youth. That you were made. Look at that truck and full of garbage and all dirty and the rats had moved in and seemed at home. I could look, look at that. Isn't that interesting? A garbage dumpster on wheels. But on the back it said Ford. And that wasn't Mr. Ford's purpose, was it? No, Mr. Ford had made that truck he and the thousand or so of his friends, had made that truck for a particular purpose. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. When I say remember your creator, yes, we are accountable. Remember your creator in living in a fulfillment of God's purpose. We were but dust. Remember God's word to Adam, from dust you came, from dust you will return. And man returns to dust from which he came, and the soul returns to God who gave it. The spirit returns to God who gave it. Oh, there's something more. We were made from mere dust, but God breathed into it the breath of his own life, and that made all of the difference. I was made for something by my creator. I was made in the image of my creator, and in the image of my creator, I was made to live and to represent him God has made life for you, and God has made you for life. God has made you to live, and live is not exist. Live is not mark time. Live is not fill squares. Live is not do stuff. Live is not even buy things. Well, for some of you, maybe it is. We were made to live. What is that life? That life, in a nutshell, is a relationship, a knowing God. Jesus is praying to his Father in John chapter 17. And he, and he defines in that prayer for us what is eternal life. We think of it merely as existing forever. And that falls so short. Because life is about relationship. Death is about separation. Life is about relationship. And Jesus defines eternal life this way. This is eternal life, he says, as he prays to his Father, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How in this life can I know God, my Creator, who made me to know him? when we know Jesus as our Savior, and I don't know so well everybody who was before us this morning and certainly everybody of our youth or who will be called youth in this morning's service, but many of you I do know have believed on Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
This next part that I'm going to say, that remembering your creator, part of remembering your creator is living in his new creation. Now, like Ecclesiastes, like Genesis chapter 3, it tells a story of made in the image of God and yet fallen, yet rebelled, yet departed and separated in death from God, and yet God drawing humanity back to himself. And God in humanity, in the person of Christ, makes a way to join humanity back to himself again. All those who believe in Jesus as their Savior, as the one who dies for them, now have again life in Christ. And it's described this way in in. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone believes in Christ and has now been identified with Jesus in a new humanity, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. That's an interesting word. Remind us again, the God who made us has remade us. And so then, as a new creation, I want to I suggest to you that the book of Ephesians, and if you wanted a homework assignment this week, I described this somewhat on the back of the sermon notes. But if you wanted an assignment for this week, I know you just celebrate graduation, and now I'm giving homework. I thought you said rejoice, enjoy life, Bob. I did. This is part of that. If you were to read through Ephesians this week, read it this way. Read Ephesians as a compliment as a fill in the gaps as the rest of the story from the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes tells you a lot about the breakdown of the old creation. And Ephesians tells you a whole lot about the new creation that God has made that gives the futility substance, that gives that which is light heaviness. That takes what is thin and makes it thick. Ephesians in chapter 4 picks up this way. So put off the old creation. This is the definition of the Christian life. Putting off the old creation, the old man, the old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires to be made new in the direction or spirit of your minds and to put on the new creation. Created to be like God in true righteousness and in holiness. Now, if you were to read on from there in the book of Ephesians, he would say, put off lying and speak truth. He doesn't just say, stop lying. He doesn't just say, um, stop stealing. He doesn't just say, stop being angry and stop having bitterness. He doesn't say, stop saying bad things, but it's always back and forth. It's like this, put off lying and speak truth. Steal no longer, but work with your hands. Why? So that you will have something to give to those in need. Let bitterness, anger, slander, let those things be put away, but instead put on kindness, compassion, forgiving one another even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Be imitators of Christ. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Live as Christ, offering yourselves as a sacrifice to God. Put aside obscenity. Put aside coarse jokes. Why? Instead, let your speech be filled with giving of thanks. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of life. He goes on into wives and husbands. He goes on into children obeying their parents. Fathers, don't frustrate, but rather encourage and exhort your children. In the nurture and admonition of the Lord, slaves and masters, masters, treat your, treat your servants kindly. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. 
There's a new way to live. There's a putting on. And he sums it up as children beloved by God be imitators of God. The essence of the new creation is Christ-likeness. The essence of the new creation is God-likeness. Being like God. Now I said live heavy. Okay? I want to come back to that word as we close. The, The attributes of God... The essence of God, what God is like, is called God's glory, right? When we glorify God, what are we doing? We're, we're talking about, we're praising, we're extolling, we're singing the excellencies, the goodness, the attributes of God. When we are glorifying God, one of the ways we do that is not merely talking about, but showing, living in the attributes, the family likeness. The word glory in Hebrew, it's hard to translate. It's hard to know what to do with because you know what it means very literally? It means heavy. That which is heavy, that which is solid, that which is real, that is not a mist that you could put your hand through and try to grab something and there's nothing. No, The glory of God is solid. It is heavy. It is what's real. In a shadowy world with so much doesn't make sense, the truth is found in God himself. Remember your creator in the days of your youth that in this life I will live this life in pursuit of knowing God more fully because that's what I was made for and so there is where I will find any real fullness and fulfillment. If I direct my choices on what I do, what I don't do, what I want to learn and pursue, what I want to give myself to that's bigger than myself, if I pursue that with the question, how will this help me to know God and show God? That's what I was made for. That's where I will find my greatest fulfillment. How can I have joy in a seemingly meaningless and often miserable life? By living, not shadowy, by living not thin, but living heavy for what's real. Would you pray with me? Father, we want, we want to live. Lord, there's something in us that maybe finds us easily distracted because we want to live. Lord, we want joy, yet so often we settle for what is merely happiness or what seems like fun. Oh, Father, would you, would you incline our hearts toward joy? Lord, not to be afraid to go out and live life, but rather living in the fullness of it and knowing you in the midst of it, both in the heartache, knowing your mercy, in the brokenness, knowing that even there you still love and forgive. And Father, in the joy of giving ourselves away, that in doing that, of giving ourselves away something like Jesus and serving others in your name, that there we will know you. And that will weigh more than anything else. That will be heavy. Lord, we give something now.
We give something out of our lives into this offering now, but we do this, Lord, not to earn your approval, but, Lord, because we want to give you glory, because we want to give something of ourselves to you, because more than anything else we would desire, you are what matters for us and for others. Lord, take this offering. Lord, take our lives. Take these closing songs of worship now, Lord, and be pleased. We pray it in Jesus' name.